the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I would like to welcome you to our second show of the new year. Very exciting. It is also exciting as we venture into the second week that we are honored and pleased to actually have two very special guests on our program this evening. Larry, would you like to introduce our first one? Sure, Wendy. William A. Jacobson is a clinical professor of law and director of the Securities Law Clinic at Cornell Law School, where he's taught since 2007. In 2008, he founded the Legal Insurrection website, one of the most influential conservative outlets. And in 2019, he launched the Legal Insurrection Foundation, a nonprofit research and investigative group focused on promoting free speech and open dialogue capitalism and free enterprise and understanding the intersectional left. He's appeared on numerous radio and television shows and he talks about free speech and all the call out and cancel culture that's going on on our campuses across the United States. He's also an expert on anti the anti-Israel movement and he lectures on anti-Semitism and the boycott divestment and sanctions movement. And he started a new website in February 2021 on critical race theory, which is, as we know, is going through our universities and our schools today. So welcome to the uh, program, Professor. So good to have you here. Thank you for having me on. Hey, so, Professor, before we absolutely delve into academia and uh, related subjects, um, as a fellow litigator, I really found it interesting that somehow you managed to make the what was no doubt a, a very drastic transition from a full-time successful civil litigation practice to teaching. And I was wondering what spurred you in, to make that kind of a change? Well, it was a, a factor of circumstance. So uh, I had been a plaintiff's contingency securities lawyer for many years. Uh, and in 2006, I became very ill. And I had to shut my law firm, and I was home for a year. And then I saw that Cornell was looking for somebody in my specific specialty. So, so I threw in a resume, and next thing you know, I'm hired. Uh, so it's not a usual trajectory. There are a lot of lawyers who want to transition over to the teaching side. But for me, it just kind of was a life experience that changed things for me. Uh, Professor, I know that you're a big advocate for freedom of speech, on college and university campuses, and you encourage people to resist the political correctness that too often is the hallmark of campus life. What's the status of free speech right now and the right to assemble on campuses today? 
Well, it's pretty dire, and I usually use the term free expression, because in most cases, it's not free speech that implicates government action like the First Amendment, things like that. Free speech is a more popularized sort of term. I like free expression, and when it comes to free expression, it's very dismal. There uh, have been recent surveys by the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education and other groups that find something around 60 to 70 percent of college students feel uh, they do not have the ability to express their views. They're afraid to express their political views. And that is, oddly enough, shared between conservative students and liberal students, although it's a bigger problem for conservative students. The problem on the campuses is that the uh, radical left on campuses has essentially shut down any divergent views. So if you even are a liberal student and you express traditional liberal values, you are very likely to get accused of being racist or whatever. Uh, So it's a problem, and it's a problem not so much because the universities have rules or speech codes, although that can be a problem, but it's more a social pressure problem that you're going to get attacked on social media. Negative things will be said about you on the Internet. And students are basically scared to death to uh, express a viewpoint that differs from the radical left viewpoint on campuses. You know, you bring up such a great point about uh, this is kind of a bipartisan problem. And, you know, we always worry and students are worried to say something they say is going to go straight from the classroom to the courtroom. And that is really stifling speech and expression in every way, shape or form. And as you bring up both liberal and conservatives, I I mean, this must have been something we should have seen coming. Or have you noticed this is something that's really ramped up over the last several years where we've seen these wars of words, as we call them, taking place on social media? Well, I think that it's something that's been building. There is no question that since George Floyd's death and the uh, movement, the protest movement spurred by that, that it has become dramatically worse. There's no question about that. But we have been documenting this at my website really for a decade, the increasing shout downs of speakers. And of course, it started with attacks on conservatives. It started with conservative speakers being shouted down, being disinvited, et cetera, but it has spread, and it's now a bigger problem. So, yes, we saw it coming. We warned about it. Everybody saw it coming, and then it, like a snowball rolling downhill, it got to a certain size that it was unstoppable. In the Cornell Sun newspaper, which is the student newspaper, I want to say maybe about three months ago, a group of self-identified liberal students who uh, wrote a letter decrying the campus culture against free speech. So now it's on everybody's doorstep, even though it started with conservatives. And when it started with conservatives, you know, a lot of the administrators and a lot of people who are left leaning didn't really care because, oh, so, you know, Rick Santorum comes to Cornell and is shouted down and heckled. Uh, They don't really care because they don't like Rick Santorum. Well, now it's not just Rick Santorum. It's liberal students being shouted down and heckled. So uh, it's not that nobody knew it was coming. It's that for too many years, it was very convenient for administrators to ignore because it was directed mostly at conservative students who they didn't like anyway. Well, Professor, I'm going to ask you about critical race theory in just a second here. But first, I know you also talk on something called the intersectional left. Would you explain to us and our listeners what that means? Sure. Your listeners may not have even heard of this, but it is the single dominant ideology on campuses. Anybody who spends any time on campuses has heard the term intersectionality. What intersectionality is, it started off as a relatively benign doctrine. 
that in understanding discrimination, and it started with examining, examining discrimination against black women in employment, that there are two forces um, of discrimination that intersect, discrimination against them being female and discrimination against them being black. And you couldn't understand either of them if you didn't understand the intersection between the two. That's how it started 20 years ago. But it has morphed um, into a doctrine which essentially seeks to build coalitions of non-white people um, who are intersected in their victimhood against the white dominant culture, white supremacy, et cetera, et cetera. And that is the, the dominant ideology on campuses, is that everything revolves around us being a systemically racist society, that non-white people are the systemic victims, and they are all interlinked in various ways um, because of that. And so that's what we try to write about and point out. And then it branches off, and I've looked at it mostly in terms of the anti-Israel movement, that you have um, you know, Black Lives Matter endorse one of the movements, one of the groups, endorsing the boycott of Israel because they are connecting the plight of American blacks to Palestinians in Israel, and they portray Israel as a white colonial society, which, of course, it's not. Um, and so this whole thing that they're all related to each other, and you can't understand the oppression of Native um, Mexicans native uh, tribes in Mexico, unless you relate it to the plight of blacks in the U.S., unless you relate it to the plight of other groups around the world. So it's this whole world view that there are various systems of oppression, uh, mostly race-related, that intersect with each other. Well, just to follow up on my question, the critical race theory, our CRT, seems to be invading all levels of education and corporate America even. So in your opinion, Professor, what's behind this push to separate the races by skin color and how dangerous is it? Well, this is another thing that's been building. This is not new, okay? but it was mostly confined uh, to academia for a long time. And now it has spread to the greater culture and to K through 12. And you often hear the argument that what's happening in K-12 is not really critical race theory. That's a law school concept. And in a very, very, very narrow sense, that's true. It's a law school concept. But it's a concept that centers race at the identity of the U.S. as a country, the concept of that we are systemically racism, that even if you do not think you are racist, you could be racist because you're participating in a racist system, and that our laws are meant to prop up that racist system. So it has now spread. And so what you see in K through 12 and in universities and in corporations now is an obsessive focus on race. Um, everything relates back to the race of the person, the skin color of the person. You see it in kindergartens, you see it in elementary schools, that everything becomes about skin color. And what that does is it separates people. Uh, rather, it is the exact opposite of the American civil rights movement, which was geared towards, um, you know, viewing people based on their individuality and their individual merits and their individual worth without regard to skin color. It completely flips that. And it says, because we are a systemically racist country, really the only thing you can focus on is skin color. And it's, it's, it's destructive to our society. It's demeaning, I always say. That when you are telling a when you are shaming a white ch- child in elementary school for being white and for having some sort of burden because of that, some sort of privilege because of that, 
You are also shaming the black yeah. people in the class. No, right? that's if right. Not, you know, we've got to, we've got to jump. But I want to thank you for joining us and for uh, for really blessing us with all of your wisdom and the great lively discussion. So we need to take a short break, but please stay with us for our next segment. You're going to meet somebody else you don't want to miss. This is Today with Dr. Wendy. We'll be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. Well, we ended the last segment talking about some unfortunate dividers, but that is the last thing we need to be focusing on when we are being divided again due to COVID restrictions. And that's not what we want on any basis. We want to be together celebrating. There's far more that unites us than divides us. And we often celebrate that in all being members of the human race. And uh, so I hate to to ever not bring a silver lining to a difficult, cloudy, dark topic. So I wanted to just sort of resolve uh, the issue we were discussing. Um, But speaking of salt and light, we have a very special friend of ours on for the second half. Larry, who do we have on the line? Right. Yeah, I want to... Uh, introduce you to a friend of ours, friend of the program, and she's totally light. She's amazing. Her name is Dran Reese, and she's founder and president of the nonprofit called the Salt and Light Council, as well as another ministry called the Content of Character Series, another one called Judeo-Christian Caucus, and another one called Biblical Voter. So I wanted to tell the folks about the Salt and Light Council. It offers tools, training, and ongoing back-end legal support for churches, community groups, and uh, missionaries ready to become salt and light advocates in the government, media, and education space. Duran speaks nationally on biblical citizenship and our role and responsibility as United States citizens. And she has a bunch more ministries I want to talk about. I don't know if we'll have time, but I wanted to introduce her so she can we can bring her in the program. So welcome. You're so welcome to the program, Duran. Thank you for being here. Oh, my gosh. I love you both. Thank you so much for having me. We're a good team, aren't we? We are. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dran, we're going to ask you uh, a little bit about the great work that you're doing, but um, I'm always so torn whether to jump right into that or to ask you what the secret is to having been married for almost 30 years. (laughs) I mean, three children, two grandchildren. I mean, work-life balance. I mean, if, if you, and I'm sure this isn't the first time you've been asked this, but if you had to sort of give us uh, some very general advice as to, you know, the secret of your success, what would you say? For our marriage, humor. I married <laughs> a man that made me belly laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I think that's a good one in a nutshell. Um, you're, what you balance your way through life. Yes. Oh, isn't that the truth? Um, you know, yes. and it's funny, you know, we talk about humor. Humor is often the way we begin and end difficult conversations also. Mm-hmm. Anything to sort of lighten the mood and make it not about the person, but the problem, as we say. So uh, you notice I didn't say not the sin, but the sinner, because we're all sinners. So <laughs> we got to say that a little <laughs> bit differently. But Dran, you know, can you tell our listeners a little bit um, what got you started in the great efforts that you're undertaking to preserve the greatness of our country? 
Well, it was frankly by accident. I really did not plan on being involved in government. I didn't see this as my passion or my calling, but what I did see it as was my duty. I started to see America fall away, but this was only after my children were about to be grown. You know, they were around 15, 16, and they didn't need me nearly as much, and they were all involved in their activities. And that's when I started reading books that awakened my eyes, such as The Marketing of Evil by David Capellian, where it showed the 12 issues in America that are undermining our Christian culture. And frankly, what's happened is, you know, it's coming to fruition. We're seeing a terrible, terrible takeover of our country. And now I'm, uh, you know, motivated even more than ever to be involved. But I, I really want your listeners to know this is not about people choosing and deciding whether they want to be involved or not. Is this your passion or your calling? No, it's none of those things. It's your duty. And I, I liken this a little bit to the military. If the military went out and said, hey, you know, folks, do you, do you find your passion to put yourself out on the front line and get killed and maybe not come home? Uh, is it your calling to carry a 75-pound backpack and be dirty and starve out on the front lines? How many people do you think would have showed up to fight for this country? They marketed it as it's your duty, because it is our duty to be involved to save this country. Wow. Hey, Dran, I understand that you are one of the organizers of an event that will be held in Oceanside on Friday, January 14th, called Activate the Courage Conference. Could you tell us a little bit about who are the speakers at that event, uh, what people can expect to learn there, and where it will be held? Well, it's going to be a rapid-fire conference. It's going to be held on Friday, January the 14th at Grace Church, which is in Oceanside. And it is amazing. The speakers that we have all have are going to have input as to what is their story of courage and activation. What brought them to the point where they realized they had to be involved? So what you're going to have are not only pastors from Rob Coy to Dr. Gary Cass, but some of the recent uh, stars on the scene like Dr. Cordy Williams and uh, and and politicians such as Melanie Burkholder and, and Bill Wells. It's just a complete uh, smorgasbord of some of the patriots that want to see America returned and want to activate people. So it's a very exciting event. It's going to be rapid fire, so you're not going to get bored. There's going to be, uh, you know, food trucks, and there's going to be um, vendor tables. All the nonprofits here in California, or not in California, but here in San Diego, that are local to us that want to make California, this portion of California, San Diego, the shining city on a hill that it was destined to be. We've heard that San Diego may revive the nation. So let it be with each of us. Well, is that free, by the way? Is it free? Yes, it's free. Thank you for asking. Okay, sure. Raffles. Okay. It it looks like a lot of fun. There'll be a lot of worship music, but most of all, you're going to be hearing from some incredible groups. Turning Point will be there. Mm. Uh, We'll have the Lexa groups, which is the uh, Hispanic uh, groups. Uh, We'll have uh, so many different, again, pastors, and I'll get an opportunity to speak about our ministry as well. You know, Dren, any time you call a conference, activate the courage. Um, I don't think anybody's going to worry about being bored. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the last thing you need to to worry about. Um, But speaking of sound bites, I know you're also involved in a nonprofit organization called Public School Exit, 
I mean, I don't know where you get these provocative names, but I know that they're catchy and uh, they all stand for something very significant that you're involved in. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about this nonprofit? Well, we've helped thousands exit government-funded public schools now because they're dangerous. And when you talk about provocative, look at what's happening to our kids in the public school. They're, they're, uh, they're learning far too much for their innocent minds from comprehensive sex ed. This very dangerous critical race theory is, is being mistaught, not, not what was intention, intended to be taught on critical race theory. They've morphed it into social-emotional learning. Uh, we, our children are exposed to vaccinations and mask mandates and so many different things that are completely against most parents' wishes, but they have not been able to voice their opinion. They're shut down at school boards, and parents want their kids out. Good parents who are capable are taking them out by the droves, and we're helping that happen. Well, uh, Joanne, with all that's going on uh, with the uh, accusations of voter irregularities in the November 2020 presidential election and with another huge election coming up in November 2022, which is really just around the corner, I know you have an organization that you created it's an amazing website that pretty much tells people everything they need to know about the candidates and the propositions that people will be that will be asked to vote on. So could you tell us a little bit about the background of that uh, website or, or your organization for voters? That's called biblicalvoter.com and I implore your your listening audience to put that website as one of their arsenals in uh, in always taking action and being informed on the issues and le- legislation. Uh, with this election coming up, you know, we're, we're concerned about the election. I mean, you know, so many of us don't believe that our elections are legitimate anymore. Uh, but what we're seeing is that we cannot back away from the elections. We have to overwhelm the polls with the proper voters, people who know how to vote their biblical values. This is the biggest problem. We have a lot of low-information voters out there that just base their vote on uh, things that are that are not quality. You know, what this person looks like, what they, you know, how they speak. Do they have a lisp? Do they say the word correctly? You know, it, it's all about appearances. It's not about quality and substance. And what our website endeavors to do is to bring the best voter guides together in our city. And in our state, and frankly, in our nation, and pull that together for uh, the voters so that they can choose wisely. Yeah, you know, one of the things we always talk about, um, and ironically, I suppose, is that election integrity is a bipartisan value. There's nobody that would argue with that. Everybody wants the ability to have their their vote counted. Um, You know, we're almost at the end of the show, Dran, but I want to say we're always so proud of all of the great things that you are doing. I mean, just your generosity and graciousness and kindness on so many different levels. Um, it's a blessing to be able to to not only have you on the show, but also to work with you in so many other capacities. So we want to thank you for joining us. Well, back at you, Dr. Wendy and Larry. I love you both, and I'm so grateful to be in it to win it with both of you. In it to win it. Now, that is exactly <laughs> the way I would like to, to end the show. And let me just sort of uh, uh, queue up the next week. At the beginning of the year, we have a lot in flux. We are going to be covering uh, next week a lot of the very important stories, everything from the pandemic to politics. And we hope you will join us next week. And, I, you know, we used to say, gosh, you know, what's going to be going on between now and then? But 
Now it's almost a fire drill trying to get ready with the latest news and trying to pare down all the headlines. There's so much. But again, we are not just the headlines, but the headlines with a silver lining. So thank you for joining us tonight. We're wishing you a wonderful, safe weekend. Please join us next week for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Have a wonderful week and God bless each of you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.